Well, the sanctuary looks a little different today, right? So most of you know that we had VBS, Vacation Bible School, last week. Um, and as always, the Lord always blesses it. Um, I just want to thank everyone in the body of Christ for just coming together. People cut things out, people served, people taught. Um, it's a really cool way just to see the fellowship come together in such a beautiful um, thing and to serve Jesus, and especially to the, to the kiddos. I love it. Little Damien was like, Team Copper, yes. That's who he, that was his name for his little group. Um, someone dropped off a thank you note during the week that I just thought I'd share. Um, it says, Dear our friends at Calvary Chapel, we thank you as always for all you do for our children and for the kingdom of God. You are making an eternal difference in the lives of many children throughout your commitment to serve him. May the Lord bless you for all your faithfulness to serve him. It's always nice to, nice to hear. So um, Jessica and Jasper Seal made a slideshow just to kind of show those who weren't here or maybe who have kids that aren't quite ready that you guys can kind of see what goes on at Vacation Bible School. Enjoy. Hello. I see you found your way to the lab. We have many different areas where you can learn and explore. Games, crafts, snacks, simulation stations, and so much more. So, put on your lab coat, set your watch to fun, and join the team as we discover Jesus from eternity past to eternity future. Here at Time Lab. Gonna travel through time. There's so much to see. From before creation. the children, isn't it? You know, before we get started, is this loud? Is this too loud? No. Down a little bit, my brother. Before we get started, I really, um, 
I want to thank all the people that work Vacation Bible School. And uh, my daughter-in-law, and she has these friends, you know, Stephanie and, and uh, Danielle and a bunch of others that were here the whole week decorating before VBS began. And you wouldn't have believed what it looked like here. It looked like a time lab. And we even had a 60s um, blacklight thing, you know, in the tunnel downstairs. And to see the response of the kids. And I was talking to someone at our closing yesterday, and she was telling me how it's really opened her, renewed her understanding of who Jesus was because her children would come home and talk about how Jesus was crucified for their sins and so forth. And so I would like all the people that had anything to do with VBS to stand. And everyone, or I'll punch you. No. So everyone stand who had anything to do with VBS. Come on. Come on. Frank, come on. Come on, you guys. Stand. Everybody. Okay. I mean, it really was, it really was a blessing. It really was. Okay, if you want to open your Bibles along with me to Exodus chapter 7, and I do not have a two-hour sermon. Maybe an hour and 40, I don't know. No, just joking. Exodus chapter 7, let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and there is no name under heaven by which men must be saved but the name of Jesus. And we thank you for the salvation that is so free, that is so rich, that is such a blessing to each one who receives it. And I ask, Heavenly Father, that you would come by your Holy Spirit and meet with us as we break open your word this morning, that the words I share and speak would not just be my words, would not just be uh, some man up here talking, but would truly be of the Holy Spirit ministering to the heart and souls of each one here. And so come and anoint and use me, Lord, to minister to these your beautiful people, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to make a, a, a few announcements. You know, we're, we're going to start once a month, starting uh, in, in uh, September, where at the beginning of the month we're going to share some of the announcements because even though we have the calendar out there and I encourage everyone to take it and put it on their refrigerator, there are some people that don't have it or they, they fall through the cracks. And we want people to know about our events. For instance, tomorrow night, it's the Delta Inner Night Out. And so if you're an adult of any age, we encourage you to come. We're going to be at Smoky Bones in uh, uh, Liverpool, and uh, it's 6 o'clock, and there's a sign-up sheet in the side room there. So I encourage you to sign up if you're coming, because I make reservations, and so that we're all able to sit together. And um, also, next Sunday is our church picnic. And uh, we have hot dogs and hamburgers, and you can bring a dish to pass and whatever. And it's just a great time. We come, we have a nice cookout outside, and we just fellowship together, and we end up hanging out for just tons of time. It's, it's absolutely great. Something new. Something new. This month, we're going to have a retired and seniors breakfast. And the reason I say retired and seniors because there are some retire, retired people that just don't want to admit that they're seniors. So um, we're going to have a retired and seniors breakfast. And just, this is just for the first time. It's going to be Thursday, August 23rd. We're going to be meeting at Denny's on Erie Boulevard. And then we allow others to choose where we meet next. There's also a sign-up sheet for that so that I can make reservations. So there you have it. Now, we're in Exodus uh, chapter 7, and we're starting with verses 1 through 7. You might have noticed that Frank had the genealogy and not me. 
And normally when I do the preaching schedule, just the way it falls, just the way the Lord leads, that's the way it goes. But this time I made sure Frank had the genealogies. And uh, didn't he do a great job? I mean, it was unbelievable the way he went through all those names. And I was sitting there the whole time thinking, I'm glad that's not me trying to read those names. But anyway, I'm picking up in chapter 7. And one of the things that's interesting, many people ask, why did God bring so many judgments on Egypt, you know, before the children of Israel were allowed to go? Do you want to know why? Grace and mercy. And you might be thinking, why do you say that? Because the Lord gave them time after time after time to repent and to turn to him. And there's a mixed multitude that's mentioned in Exodus 12:38 that left with the Egyptians. And if you look, to, look up that term, mixed multitude, uh, it, it, it means foreigners too. And so I believe that there are many Egyptians who came to know the Lord during the time of all those plagues that were being you know, poured out in Egypt. They realized our Pharaoh, who they considered a god, and our magicians were unable to compete with this God of the Hebrews. He must truly be God. And one of the things that we'll get into a little bit later on in our study, but you know all the plagues? They all were related to the gods of Egypt. And so those plagues were, were absolutely a testimony against the gods of Egypt. And so many Egyptians, I believe, they got saved. And so God's continuing, uh, you know, uh, judgment that he was bringing on Egypt was mercy. And one of the things that we find, too, as we study the book of Revelation, you know, you have seven years of great tribulation that's going to fall upon the earth, but we also find many, many people get saved. So God's judgment, even his judgment, can be mercy because people are so hardened of heart. Now, in Exodus chapter 7, verse 1, So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. And it's worth it's worth noting right there that the word for for God is not Jehovah, which means a self existent one. That's the formal name, that's the the high name for God. The word that is used here when he says, I've made you God made you as a God to Pharaoh, it's Elohim, which is more of a generic name for God. Okay? And um And for instance, in 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says this. Now then, talking about you and I, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So in that sense, we are as the voice of God. Not that we're God, we're not. But when we share salvation with others, we're sharing the eternal word of God, eternal truth, and the only salvation that anyone can have, that we might be born again and have eternal life. And then continuing on, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. Verse 2, you shall speak all that I command, command you, and Aaron, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you so that I may uh, lay my hand on Egypt. Egypt was going to be judged because of their hardness of heart, because of their idolatry, because of their paganism. And bring my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt. 
by great judgments. Verse 5. And the Egyptians shall know, nostos, they will know, there's no question, there's no doubt, that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Then Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded. So they did. And Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. So if Moses was 80 at this point, they wandered in the wilderness for how many years? 40. So he was 120 years old, you know, at the end, just before they went into uh, the promised land. And as Frank mentioned, and we'll find out when we get to it, Moses didn't enter in because he, um, he not only lacked faith in God, he was trying to take some credit. He said, the Lord and I rebuke you. Instead of just saying, the Lord rebuke you, instead of just speaking to the rock, you struck it. We know all that. But anyway, um, the Lord, of course, it tells us right here, he's going to be making it clear. And we read in this portion, he makes it very clear. It's him. It's not Moses. It's not Aaron. He's only using Moses and Aaron, but it's not them. It's him who's going to do all these signs and all these wonders to bring the children of Israel out. And... Brothers and sisters, the Lord always makes it clear that it is he, no one else, who brings children out of slavery to this day. You might be thinking, well, what do you mean? Before you were born again, you were a slave to sin and this world. You were a slave. Make no doubts about it. You might have thought you were in control of your own life, but this world, your flesh and sin was pulling you here and pulling you there into this and into that, and it brought you no joy because none of the things of this world can bring the peace that only God can bring. And so we were slaves, and it's only Jesus that can bring us out of slavery. You can try, you know, transcendental meditation. You can try, uh, you know, all kinds of things. To give you victories in life, you know, you know, maybe taking the seven steps of this or the 25 steps of that. The only one who can bring you out of sin, the only one who can bring you out of the confines of your own flesh and out of the bondage of this world is Jesus Christ. He alone is saves. In um, Exodus chapter 33 and verse 11, we're told that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And so this is why Moses could stand before Pharaoh on, you know, as on God's behalf. He was not God, but he was speaking to Pharaoh on God's behalf. Why? Because he had this relationship with the Lord. And so Moses was able to take all the concerns of the Israelites to God as a priest and it tells us that Aaron would be like a prophet because the prophet takes the word of God to the people you see the difference now and I'm going to say this I hope you listen carefully a prophet is the opposite of a priest a prophet comes from God and goes to the people a priest represents the people before God you see the difference? A priest uh, is not uh, to speak for God, and a prophet is not to represent the people to God. There are two different offices. But Jesus, on the other hand, what does it tell us? He's prophet, priest, and king. 
Jesus is all. Jesus represents us before God, and Jesus comes from God to us to speak to us. I mean, it's so amazing. That's why we read, and I want to read it here. In fact, if you want to turn to it, you can. Leave your finger here. This is such an awesome verse of Scripture. And it's 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. You, you, many of you know this one by heart. For there is one God. There's only one God, Jehovah. There's only one God, and there's only one mediator between God and man. And it says, the man Christ Jesus. And some people have said, why does it say the man Christ Jesus? Because God had to become flesh in what we call the incarnation, the virgin birth. God had to become flesh in order to represent the sin of man in his own, you know, when he hung on the cross, all of our sin hung there with him. And so he had to become a man. God cannot die. So it was not God who died on the cross. It was the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is the only one who was fully God and fully man. He was the only one. And then in this portion when it says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, it doesn't mean that he would take Pharaoh's choice away from him. Because Pharaoh's choice had already been made. Remember in Exodus 5, 2, it says, Pharaoh said, Who is your God that I should listen to him? And so he wasn't taking Pharaoh's choice away. He was just solidifying Pharaoh's choice. He'd already made his decision. Um, in Ephesians, it says this. Chapter 4, verses 17 through 19. This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Pharaoh and all the Egyptians were just walking in the futility of their own minds, having their understanding darkened, being, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness, all uncleanness with greediness. And so the word harden, as it's used here, is kasha, and it means to solidify or to make sure. And so when it says he was going to harden Pharaoh's heart, he'd already hardened it, but he was just going to solidify it because of the wrong decision that he made. And so you and I, according to this verse of Scripture, that we can't any longer walk in the futility of our mind and our own thinking. You know, how many people say, well, you know what, I really get it, I really understand it, I know what to do. I don't know anything. And the more I realize I don't know anything and I'm just allowing the Lord to lead me is when I'm able to do something. Do you follow what I'm saying? Because oftentimes we have so many ideas of this and of that, and it's the wrong idea. The only truth that we can know for sure is the Word of God. You know, you guys all know about DNA. In fact, the man who was the first one to map the human genome became a believer because he realized it's impossible for this to occur through evolution. But I don't know if you realize this, DNA is a genetic code. And they used to think there was just basically one layer to it. Now they know there's multiple layers to DNA. It's amazing. It's beyond my ability to even comprehend or understand, but there's all kinds of layers. Same thing's true with the Bible. People say, well, after you've read through it once, why would you continue reading it? There's so many layers. 
Every single time I read through the Word of God, I see things I never saw before. Every time I, I read through the Word of God, the Lord speaks something new to me that I never heard before from Him. And so that's why we have to look to the Word of God as being the only truth we stand on and not go around in the futility of our own thinking and of our own mind. And um, in Hebrews... And this is why we need to turn to the Lord. Chapter 10 and verse 31, it says, It is a dreadful, and the word there in the Greek, dreadful, is is like horrible, I mean, just nothing worse that could happen. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So you have a choice. You can be born again, give your life to Jesus Christ, and fall into the arms of the living God, where he loves you, where he embraces you, where he sustains you, where he uplifts you. Or you can reject God and fall into the hand of the living God in his judgment. And so it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so while we have breath, we're able to make the choice to commit our life to the Lord. You know, it's interesting. uh, We were talking to someone yesterday that we had a wonderful conversation with about the Lord. And we were sharing with him that we... Vi and I, and, and most believers, we despise religion. And, and he's like, what? what? What do you mean? Religion is man-made. Religion is a bunch of man-made rules and regulations that they've, you know, put together in their own little conglomeration or book or whatever it might be, saying this is what the Word of God means. No, the Holy Spirit will interpret the Word of God to you, not some man. And so we don't believe in religion. We believe in relationship. Every single one of us as believers has a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You know, last week, um, Vi and I were watching a um, uh, documentary on Scientology. And uh, L. Ron Hubbard was a uh, science fiction writer. And basically, he decided to make up a religion, which is Scientology. I mean, a very wealthy religion. There's a lot of very famous people that you probably know of that are part of it. It is the weirdest thing you've ever seen. I mean, you can't even believe. I mean, you can't, I, if I tried to exaggerate, you wouldn't even believe how weird Scientology is. I mean, it is crazy. I mean, when you become a Scientologist, you have to sign a billion-year contract. Because they believe you're going to come back again and again and again and again. So you have to come back as a Scientologist. That's an example of religion. Now, obviously, there are other religions that might not be that out there and, 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 and so forth. But the point I'm making is we don't believe in religion. We believe in the Word of God. We, believe, we have faith in the one who gave us his word who gave us salvation. God is able to speak to us in so many ways. It's absolutely amazing. Now, and then Moses and Aaron, it tells us, it says, they did what the Lord commanded. How beautiful is that? It tells us here, and Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. What a wonderful thing for people to say, and Frank did as the Lord commanded. And I did as the Lord commanded. Put your own name in there. Did as the Lord commanded. How awesome is that? I have never 
in the many years I've been in the ministry, I don't even know how many years because every time I give a number, my wife tells me I'm wrong because I get numbers. But I've been in the ministry a long, long, long time. And uh, like, look at Frank. I'm old enough to be his father. But I've been in the ministry a long, long time. I've never once had someone come up to me and say, you know, Pastor, I've been reading the Word. I've been in prayer, and I've been living a life to, to, to the best of my ability by the power of the Holy Spirit for Jesus Christ, and I'm just miserable. Life is just so hard, and I, I just wish I... I've never had that. Now, I've had plenty of people come into my study and say, Pastor, man, I've been backsliding, I've been off here, and I've been off there, and I am so miserable. So... God does not give us commands to make it difficult for us and to make our life hard. He gives us commands because he loves us. If you say to your child, sweetheart, I don't want you running out in, across a busy street. And someone comes up to you and says, why are you so harsh? Why don't you let that child make your own decision? You're so dogmatic. You have one rule. You can't run across the road. You'd be thinking, uh, you're crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm giving this uh, rule, I'm giving this command to my child because I love them and I don't want anything to happen to them. That's the Word of God. God gives us these commands because He loves us. He doesn't want anything to hurt us. In this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. That's what we have to understand. And now we're moving on to verse 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying... When, when, when Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did so, just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called on the wise men and sorcerers, so the magicians of Egypt, and they did in like manner with their enchantments. For every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. <laughs> you know. uh, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them, as the Lord's, Lord had said. The Lord told him he wouldn't. You see, the Lord said um, he knew that Pharaoh would ask for a sign. You know, why should I believe in any God unless there's some sign or some miracle you can show me? He knew Pharaoh would ask for that. That's why the Lord said to Moses, when you go in, he's going to ask for it. And that's when you cast a rod down. And it's interesting to me that there's so many today that seek after signs. You know, they seek after wonders. They seek after miracles. And they say, well, if I see any of these, then I'll believe. Wrong. That's not what happens. As a matter of fact, if you study Scripture carefully, which I hope you do, especially the New, the New Testament that is all about Jesus and the salvation that he so freely gives, and you'll find the people that believed, believed his word. There are many, many who saw signs, wonders, and miracles, the dead being raised to life, that rejected, that did not believe. So signs and wonders are never going to be the, uh, you know, the, the test of, of someone being from the Lord or something being the truth. 
The Lord does perform signs and wonders, but it's not something we're demanding. It's something that just happens. But we believe because of the word. I came to the Lord Jesus Christ, 40 foot. I was teaching uh, at Horseheads High School at the time, if any of you know where that is. And uh, I was on a 40 foot ladder up in the soffit of our non-believing church. <laughs> but, you know, painting the trend, the rest of the church was brick. And I had been reading the Gospel of John. And I was 40 feet up in a ladder, and it was the Word of God that brought me to salvation. And I knew it was all true, and I just started crying. And I knew Jesus was exactly who the Bible said he was. I came to the Lord through the Word. And when you share with people about Jesus Christ, when you're a witness to people, if you're evangelizing, share the Word of God. So many people say, well, you know, you really need to be a believer because before I was a believer, I was really unhappy. My life was crappy, and now I'm saved and everything's great. <laughs> That's not true either. Because you can be a wonderful believer, and you still have problems. You still have difficulties. You know, being a believer, he causes his reign to fall on the just and the unjust. So we have to understand that as a believer, it doesn't mean you're going to just be free from difficulty. In fact, in some ways, as a believer, you might have more difficulty. Because now people not only don't like you because they don't like you, they don't like you because of what you believe. So it's an important thing for us to really trust in the Word of God. And um, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 through 40, listen to what it tells us here. This is Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 through 40. It says, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days... And three nights, not partial days, not partial nights. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And even when an adulterous generation looks after signs, well, I'm going to this church, there's this sign and wonder, there's this sign and wonder, I'm going to go to that church, there's this sign and wonder, that sign and wonder, and the minute difficulty comes, they turn from the Lord. You know, and I'm not saying that this can't happen, but sometimes I'll have people, you know, come to me and they'll say, such and such happened in their life, and they'll say, I'm mad at God. I've never been mad at God. Like, if you read Job, which is what Fine are reading now, and, um, but anyway, if you're reading Job, and you really look carefully at what Job is saying, he's never angry at God, he's angry at what's happening to him. And so there can be things that happen in our life that we don't like, that, that, that we wish weren't happening, that are so difficult for us to understand, but God is still God. He's still the God of love. And that's why Scripture tells us if only in this life we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most pitiable. But our hope is way beyond this life. You know, I, I think about like when I had my heart attack. Um, so weird it's like what, five weeks ago now or something like that but it was the lord who wanted to preserve my life you know i, I you probably some of you have heard this story i went to my dermatologist i get these basal cells and um 
in the same building as my primary care physician, and Vi insisted I go see her. So after my dermatology appointment, I went up to see her, and they did an EKG, which was absolutely normal. They took my blood pressure, absolutely normal. My pulse rate was absolutely normal. I've never had high cholesterol, ever. My cholesterol levels have always been normal. HDLs, ADLs, right in the same, you know, scope you're supposed to be. And so, um, you know, I thought I'd pulled muscles because I started working out again, you know. <laughs> so I thought I'd pulled muscles. That's what I thought it was. And I, was, I was, got off the table. I was getting ready to leave. And she said, you know what, Frank? She said, I, I just feel like I should do a cardiac enzyme test. And so she did. And I came home, and, and I'm, you know, not thinking anything's going on. And, and I'm, um, you know, with Frank and Nikki and the kids and Vi, we're in my living, our living room. We're talking, laughing away, and the phone rings. And I saw her number. And this is like 6, six o'clock at night. And I knew something was up, and I went out in the kitchen. She said, Frank, your cardiac enzyme test is way, way up. She, she said, you might be having a heart attack. And she said, get right to the hospital. So Frank and, and Vi flew me to St. Joe's Hospital. Just to make a long story short, the physician who put the stints in came in to talk to Frank and Vi afterwards and said if you would have waited until morning, he would have died. So you could say, whoa, whoa, well, what? The Lord, it wasn't his time for me yet. And if I would have died, guess where I'd be? I'd be in heaven while all you suckers are back here. <laughs> you know? So it's, you, we can just trust God. No matter what's going on in our life, we can just trust the Lord. You know, Paul said, I, I'd rather be in heaven. But if you have more work for me here, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to. Now, just, this is just a little side note. It's interesting to note. You're going to find as we go through Exodus here and all the plagues, uh, God always calls the staff Aaron's staff. Do you know when the first time is that he calls it Moses' staff? When he raises it over the Red Sea. When they're leaving. When they're going out of bondage. Also, um, the word which is translated serpent here uh, is in, in the Hebrew, tani. And the word tani does not mean serpent. Every other place in the Bible that the word tani is used in the Hebrew, the original Hebrew, it's never translated serpent. You know what it's translated? Crocodile. It's not tani, it's crocodile. And, of course, we're going to find that that makes sense because, like I told you, uh, this was an indictment on all the gods of Egypt. And Apollea was uh, a god that had, you probably have seen this before, a man's body and an alligator's head. And he was in constant competition with Ra, the sun god, and this and that. But he was making a statement against the gods of Egypt. Now, in Numbers, though, we have the word serpent used, and that's in Numbers chapter 21, verses 8 and 9. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten... Remember the children of Israel were grumbling against the Lord, and, and they, just, they were just in disbelief. And God sent fiery serpents among them. And when the serpents would bite people, they'd die. And so the people said to Moses, go on our behalf before God, intercede. You know, that's why Moses, you know, was our mediator, the mediator of the Jews at that time. And so the Lord spoke to Moses and said, I want you to take a serpent 
a snake, and I want you to put it on a large pole and set it up in the middle of the camp, and anyone who's bit, they look at it and they won't die. And you know what Scripture tells us? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And anyone, my brothers and sisters, who looks upon him shall be saved. People who looked on the serpent, they didn't die. They were saved. Their life was saved. And anyone who looks upon Jesus Christ, who looks upon that cross, shall be saved. No exceptions. Salvation is for everyone. Now, an interesting thing happens. We find uh, in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 4, King Hezekiah had a big revival, was really turning back to God. And guess what the children of Israel were doing to that pole and serpent that Moses was instructed to set up in the wilderness? What do you think they were doing? They were worshiping it. And so God told Hezekiah, crush it, burn it, get rid of it. And the point that that's making to us is we have to understand that, see, they were worshiping the object rather than the one who gave the object the power, who gave the command. And we have to make sure that we don't worship the objects of religion, but we worship the Lord. Like the cross is, is, a, is a nice little symbol, and it reminds us that Jesus died on the cross, but don't ever worship the cross. It's all about he who died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sin. I mean, the cross is just, it's just a, a trinket. And if you want to wear a cross, it's fine. But I'm just saying, don't ever worship it. You know, don't have a cross in your house. You know, don't make your offerings up to the cross. You don't need a cross. You don't need a picture. You don't need an icon. You don't need anything. All you need is to be on your knees and pray to Jesus. And he hears and he answers prayer. And, um, but anyway, I know people have a hard time thinking of uh, the serpent uh, not really being a snake, but being an alligator. And it makes it a lot more amazing. I mean, Aaron takes the rod and throws it on the ground and becomes an alligator. Or a crocodile, I'm sorry. And there were crocodiles all through the Nile at that time and also in many of the ponds and surrounding uh, lakes in Egypt. So there were a lot of crocodiles, and they worshipped a crocodile. So he threw his rod down, and it became a crocodile. And um, then the magicians threw their rods down. They became crocodiles, and his rod ate their rods. Huh. <laughs> I think that was uh, uh, pretty amazing. And um, so we have to understand that there are many things that we pick up, and they're just tradition. Like we think of serpent being used here as a snake, but it's not serpent. The word tani that is used here is an alligator. It's not translated uh, any other place in the Bible as a serpent, as a snake, but as an alligator. And the reason I'm saying this is whether it was an alligator or a snake in the, in the big scheme of things doesn't make any difference. But it's just making the point that we have to be careful to not allow tradition to take over what the Bible says might not be a big thing, but it's, it's a learning experience for us to look at the Bible. You know, I always thought it was a snake too because I saw the Ten Commandments about five or six times. And, and I know from the Ten Commandments it was a cobra, actually. But you follow what I'm saying? Let me just give you a, a, a few examples. 
When Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem, you know, to be taxed, we know that whole account in, in Scripture, in Matthew and Luke is where the account is found, there's no mention of a donkey. Did you know that? Mary was riding a donkey. Maybe, maybe not. They weren't wealthy. The wise men, men did not come to the manger. They came to the house when Jesus was two years old. Right in Scripture. There is never any mention that there were three wise men. It just says they brought, you know, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which were the common gifts you brought to a, a, a king. There could have been dozens of wise men. Um, it never says Paul fell off a donkey when he met the Lord. It just says he fell to the ground. In fact, the idea of him riding a donkey probably is ludicrous. He walked everywhere he went. Um, Jesus didn't call Peter the rock of the church. He called the profession Jesus made the rock of the church. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And this is why we have to adhere to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Listen carefully. Now, these things, brethren, I have figuratively transfer, uh, have transferred to myself from Apollos for your sake. Listen to this. That you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written. We can't think beyond what is written. What does the Bible say? That's all I care about. You know, people say, well, you know, I think. Well, I don't care what you think. What does the Bible say? And that's why we need to know the Word of God. It needs to be, you know, stored in our heart. When we're witnessing to people, it's not a matter of what knowledge we have or how we convince them uh, on this point or that point. It's a matter of what does the Bible say? Share the truth. Share the Word of God with them. I mean, God is God. You've heard me say this before. Something never comes from nothing, right? Zero plus zero always equals zero. 400 billion years from now, zero plus zero will still equal zero. Something never comes from nothing. Now listen, unless something was before nothing. And there was something before nothing. There was God, Jehovah, Yahweh, the self-existent one. And he is the one through his word, who is Jesus Christ, created all that we see. It's amazing. Now, um, as far as the magicians were concerned, and they turned their rods into crocodiles, you know, some people think, oh, it was just sleight of hand. It was just a trick. I don't think so. I think they really turned their, their staffs into crocodile. It says to their sorceries, to their magical arts. I think it was satanic. I think they really did. But it was satanic. But God, in order to show that his hand is mightier than the hand of magicians, than Satan, his crocodile, Aaron's crocodile, consumed all of the crocodiles of the magicians. And so we have to understand we need to trust the word of God. We can't be looking for this, can't be looking for that. Just what does God's word say? Don't go beyond the word. And um, the thing that's interesting is because Pharaoh's magicians performed a similar feat in turning their staffs into crocodile, it hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, we can do, you know, we can do it the, the, you know, the uh, children of Israel's God can do, we can do it too. So I'm not going to believe they're God. But then, as the plagues continued, we're going to find that then the magicians and his sorcerers were saying, this truly is the hand of God. 
And that's what we have to understand. There might be a lot of things happening in our lives, but we know when it's the Lord and we know when it's not. We know when it's coincidence. And, you know, some people, everything's a miracle. You know, I, I lost my keys and, and, and I, you know, and, and, I, and I looked in my wife's pocketbook and there they were. It's a miracle. No, it's because your wife picked up the keys and put them in her pocketbook. You follow what I'm saying? God will allow miracles and signs and wonders to occur in your life as a testimony of who you are, of who he is. But don't try to make something out of nothing. It's enough for me just to know he died on the cross for my sins. Scripture says this, and I agree with it. If he did nothing else, that's enough. I'm going to heaven. I'm born again. My sins are washed away. And isn't it wonderful to know that he continues to work? He not only forgives us initially, but he forgives us continually. You know, sometimes people will come to me and say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. I don't think I can go to heaven now. I I, I just think I'm beyond hope. You were beyond hope before you confessed your faith in Jesus Christ. And we're never beyond hope. If, conditional conjunction, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. Well, I I sinned today. Confess it to the Lord. Don't confess it to me. Number one, I can't do anything about it. And number two, I'll become a gossip. You know what I'm saying? Things just, just between you and the Lord. Don't try to, you know, fall into any kind of, well, it makes me feel good to share with others. Well, maybe it does. And maybe you have a close enough friend that you can share your difficulties and problems with that you can pray together. But there are times that there are things that are just between you and the Lord. And that's the way it should be. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and we thank you for salvation. We thank you for your word and and all that you've shown us. And I pray, Father, that you would truly prepare our hearts. Prepare our hearts for that day that you call us home, whether it be in the rapture or death. And we love you more than our our feeble lips are even even able to proclaim that you are God, you are Lord. And Father, we love you, we praise you, and we honor you, hopefully, in all we do. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you, my friends.